This is another episode of Visiting's Radio Show, Season 3. I'm your host, Alan Nakagawa. Visiting's Radio Show focuses on artists who are creating work outside the museum and gallery, such as public engagement, community arts, etc. This episode focuses on a timely project that is happening in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Artists and art professors Ed Giardina and Devin Suno have recently mobilized a network of artists to fabricate and distribute face shields. I wanted to take this opportunity to find out how this came about, and, and Ed and Devin were kind enough to give me some Zoom time, so I asked them some, quest- some questions. This interview took place Tuesday, May 12, 2020. My name is Ed Jardina, and I am a professor over at Cypress College and a working artist. Hi, my name is Devin Suno. I'm an artist and a professor at Cal State University of Dominguez Hills, where I also uh, founded and co-direct the Praxis Art Engagement Program. I'll give you the Italian, like, hands-waving version of what I think <laughs> happened. Um, I, I don't know what came first or second, so it's not necessarily chronological what I'm about to tell you. Okay. Um, but there, there was a series of conversations that Devin and I had. You know, I don't know if there were some of them are texts and some of them are phone conversations, but we communicate a lot together in both kinds of forms. Um, you know, and we'll pick up conversations that start at 11 o'clock at night and then pick up the next day, like in the afternoon, that kind of, so, but part of, part of our, the conversation that set this all up was Rieko and Rieko being a nurse. And there was some concern that we were having, like, what are we going to do and how are we going to get her some stuff? And, you know, as I was making an inventory in my head of like all the people in my family and all of my friends that are nurses or work in healthcare, like, people as close to me as my next door neighbor and as far away as my family members that um, in New York city that are nurses, you know, Can so someone like, please explain who Rieko is. Rieko Devin's wife. So, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> so, so, so the conversation was around this, like this moment where California had not shut down yet, but there was clearly a sense of urgency in the air and that we were trying to figure out like, where can we go get some N95s? You know, where can we, you know, what can we do? And from there, I think that it was an early morning where I had this kind of epiphany for myself, which was, hey, we could, you know, there's these, these, these face shields that we could print, and I've got a printer at school, and what if we just could find like maybe $1,500 or $2,000, and we can buy a couple more, and we can start printing stuff, and we can give them to Rieko and send them to New York or whatever, that kind of a thing. And then I think I texted Devin in the morning, but you know, Devin's not a morning person, so I don't think he responded by the way. He didn't respond like in Ed time, which is like 40 right. seconds. And, and so in the time that Devin is now mulling over this crazy incoherent text message from me about like, hey, let's get some money and buy a bunch of 3D printers. Like I'm now also emailing the president of my college and I'm, and I'm sending text messages to a couple of collectors of mine that I know have lots of money and I'm just like you know the, the text message to one of the collectors was like hey I need I need $1,500 no strings attached we're, we're gonna do some stuff to help with COVID-19 and you'll never get the money back 
but can you send it to me? And they said, you know, what's your Venmo? And nice. it was there like in nine minutes from start to finish, like nine minutes went by. Meanwhile, you know, you know, all these other things are kind of like percolating around and, you know, before Devin even gets up, we now have $1,500. <laughs> Devin's the one that like took it to the next level. I was in, I was thinking like five printers. That's awesome. This is going to solve our problem. But Devin had a much bigger idea, and that's where I love working with Devin. And I also love working this way because it's like we don't have a plan. We're just pushing this thing along, and it's like presenting itself to us in terms of what it's going to do next. Um, I think that there's maybe a hashtag now that that's as far as we'll go. Oh, what's the hashtag? I don't even know. Devin's used it a couple times, so <laughs> it's like hashtag 3D printing something something. I think I put 3D PPE Artist Network. Yeah, but it's like it's not about yeah, it's not about like this is the name of our project. It's like that just describes what's happening, which is right. the artists working together, right? But Devin? of course, now that's the title of the project. Yeah, that's okay. So, Devin, what's the next? What was the next level? that Ed was talking about that you brought it to? Uh, you know, Ed always has crazy ideas. He's really good at coming up with crazy ideas. Uh-huh. I get it started, but I can never finish it. I'm not a closer. About starting something, you know? Uh, and so like he called me and he was like, I got the money, I'm sending you two printers. And he's like, you know, he's kind of going off about it. And, you know, meanwhile, kind of overwhelmed just everything else that's going on and uh i think i was kind of like a little bit uh lackluster not not like overly energetically excited when he told me i think i was kind of like okay all right and uh um and then uh my thinking was like i think i told him like my university has like a hundred 3d printers and I was thinking, you know, that would be really great if the university was using those. And this would be a good kind of trial run for me to try it out at home and kind of see, um, you know, how it works and if it could work and this kind of thing. Meanwhile, um, the department at my university that uh, manages those 3D printers um, had this in and they started to use them, which was great. So I didn't have to worry about convincing my school to use those printers because they started to be used um but once i got the the printers and i tried it out and um you know ed he told me it would take me 20 minutes to uh build them and and learn how to do it of course it probably took maybe maybe three hours or four hours um, but i uh, <laughs> i i stayed up one night until like i think five in the morning and i put them all together um, and then the next morning I called him and he gave me like an hour tutorial on FaceTime, um, just how to set them up. And it, you know, I think for somebody who makes things, it's a pretty, pretty straightforward, easy thing to do to 3d print. Um, so it, I really did learn in like an hour how to do it. If um, that, if yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, he's always like 20 minutes, um, but I'm like, <laughs> times three <laughs> so, everybody in my life always adds times three to everything that I say. 
my wife, Devin, finishing school, <laughs> they all know when I'm saying two minutes. They know it's like two two weeks. Right. <laughs> a tri- triple that budget, whatever he said. <laughs> yeah, so once I got printed and I realized how easy it was, you know, um, we just started making them. I immediately would start giving them away. It's, it's very easy for me to find people to give them to. And then Ed told me that um, a couple of students um, that, we sh- that we've shared over the years um, who were community college students at Cyprus and then came to Dominguez Hills um, and who are graduating, they were interested in helping. And he was like, uh, you know, we only need like, you know, maybe 500 bucks or something. So he was like, he told me he was going to try to figure out how to get that 500 bucks. And, um, and I was like, well, post something on Instagram. I'm sure I can get you that 500 bucks. So <laughs> I, I did like one post on my Instagram about what we were doing. And times that by 200, right? In <laughs> like 48 hours, we had like $10,000 in Ed's Venmo account. Nice. I think he no. was, I think was um, more terrified than excited <laughs> to be $10,000 of other people's money who were, uh, um, you know, excited about the project and willing to support it. But um, uh, I, I mean, I knew, I knew that if I put that up, that we would get more than $500. Um, but uh, I think kind of this idea that Ed had to print them at home and to make it manageable, um, it, it makes sense, you know, like, it doesn't make sense for Ed and I both to have 20 3D printers in our garage. Um, it makes more sense to distribute those to locations all the way across LA County and Orange County um, so that they're easier to get access to the shields. They have a broader reach into different communities that would need them. And um, like I said, it, you know, running two machines is not too hard. It's not incredibly intrusive. I mean, it's, it's, it's work and it takes time. Um, it is a commitment, um, but it's something you can do while you're teaching on Zoom, taking care of your family, making art, um, that kind of thing. So that's kind of where the project expanded. Um, I saw this opportunity that we could get them um, geographically um, all over the place, um, especially because our, our, our shared students and, and um, um, separate students from both, both, um, both schools, they live in such a broad area that we could be pretty expansive in distributing those. And I've always, 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 always wanted to like teach my students how to 3D print. Um, and um, Ed was one of the first um, teachers that I ever met who even came up with the notion that that could be part of a fine art curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I know my students really wanted to learn it too. So I thought, well, what are, there is no better way to teach young artists how to do something than to actually have them do it for real for like a real application, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so our idea was that we would uh, buy these printers and distribute them and we uh, told all of our funders before we I mean when we asked from when I asked for money in that first post that I would distribute them to these students and that we would um, allow the students to keep the printers after the project was done 
and uh, uh, for their own creative purposes. So, uh, so I think it's it's helpful in multiple multiple layers um, because they're going to have these printers, and most of the students um, would have never been in the position to to spend five hundred dollars to set themselves up um, with these printers. So, I think it's kind of like it just it's logical. It makes sense. So in in the uh... The process at hand is that the 3D printer creates the armature for the face shield, right? And then you also have to cut the transparent plastic that's the actual shield. What, what is that an easy thing or that, how, how do you do that? It's putting so, one on. <laughs> so this particular design that we're, that most people are using, um, uh -huh is designed specifically for an eight and a half by 11 um, overhead transparency sheet. Oh, okay. So uh. the, there's six prongs off the front that line up perfectly with um, a whole, a three hole punch. If you punch it and then flip it and punch it a second time, if you get the uh. measurement right. So it's like a punch, flip, punch, and then it just pops right on. So the way we've been doing it is we keep the sheets separate from the um, from the armature so that well, so that um, we can be more orderly and tight with the packing. I see. And people can put it together as soon as they get it. And then also too, we don't have a, all this extra handling of the materials. I mean, one of the concerns. I mean, you know, one of us get it. You know, and then who knows how many of these things we've handled and. So we do all everything we can to be smart about the handling of them. We make sure that people know it's like these are not sterile. Um, we mark the packages so that people know when they've been handled, like so they know the born-on date and they know how long it's like that they should wait before they actually maybe engage with them unless they decide to clean them. Mm -hmm. You know, we're doing trying to figure all that kind of stuff out. But yeah, it's really it's whoever designed this um, was super smart um, about making it an accessible kind of process right. that it was, boom boom you know and it's done wait can you say that again devin we can't hear you oh yeah i i read on the internet that the six hole design that we've been using was originally designed in sweden one of the things that is so like intriguing is that this is like a global movement. It's not like Ed and Devin in our living rooms, you know? It's like there's people all over the world printing these 3D uh, masks and um, they've been doing them um, for, for a little while and there's just kind of this immense amount of knowledge and information available um, open source on the internet for people who want to do this. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it's just kind of incredible. Like the, um, two designs that I've been doing, one is the six hole, but I've also been doing this design too, which, which has a visor on top. Um, it takes much longer to print. Um, but this actual design has also already gone through clinical trials, um, through the, through the NI, NIH and, uh, it's already certified to, to use, um, by them in a in a medical setting but um these the ones that we've been doing the six hole ones these um they've been people have been using them in new york um and all over the world it's it's a very common 
one. Now the design is actually really, really good because it's fast to print, it's cheap to print, and it just works. It's just, you don't have to have a band on the back. It's like one size fits all. Um, it's whoever designed it is yeah like a genius it's it's so great <laughs> i try i broached that conversation with my students mm -hmm. right before i went to devon like i but i was more of a general kind of was we were just finishing doing um, 3d modeling and printing in class before they you know closed the campus and so like for me it was like really fresh conversation I'm like I tried to pivot my whole class to like so what can we do now in terms of this pandemic that we're now facing like what is it that we can do to get involved and there was a lot of kind of like discussion but you know it, it didn't seem to lead anywhere specific or be able to move fast enough and then you know, people started doing this really fast. And so it was like, that's what we need to do. We don't need to invent something new. We just need to mm -hmm. multiply what's successful, right? Just times that by, you know, um, you know, as much as we can by $10,000. And um, so at, it worked out. At this point, how many weeks have, has production been going on? I started like mid to late March. I'm not sure exactly when. I mean, I one of the th last things I grabbed, um, leaving the building wearing my you know bank robber mask, mm -hmm. um, was my 3D printer for my classroom. I'm <laughs> sneaking out of the building with it. Um, it's been seven weeks, maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, the I started. I was working with a group down here in Orange County that um, they've been doing it for about. They they started I think formalizing in the last the last week of March. And so I was, I was kind of like floating around, like figuring out, I tried a bunch of different designs and I was handing them off to people that I knew that lived really close to me. It wasn't like I was, I didn't have it all figured out yet. It was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I didn't find my jam until, until Devin was able to get to a place where he could really dedicate some time to it. And then we figured it out. Like before that I felt like I was just flailing. I was sending material to people and like having people come to my house, but I had no process set up because in those early days, it was like, it was nuts. Right. I mean, it was only seven weeks ago, but I felt like it was scarier than, than it mm. is now in some ways because the times has slowed down a little bit. It was kind of an R and D moment phase yeah. of the project. Yeah. But part of me was like, my kids were still in school, you know? So I'm mm -hmm. in the back of my head. I'm like, I'm not even safe yet. Like my, my house isn't safe until my kids have been home for two weeks. Like, mm. so here I am like making these things and I'm trying to get Devin to make them. And meanwhile, it's like, I have no idea if I've been infected. Mm. Um, you know, so that was part of what was in my head too at that early stage. And so I was like, I felt a little panicked about mm. what I was doing and maybe I should figure this out. And so thankfully, like we were able to, you know, in early, in early April, we were able to really like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And we figured it out. Any idea uh, between the two, you know, entities in a sense, or I guess collectively, how many you guys have produced and distributed at this point? Anybody uh, got a number? It's over 2,000 now, I think. Wow. Yeah, yeah definitely over 2,000. 
I mean, Ed, he's he's been printing, um, like he said, like six or seven weeks, and I think alone he's printed like thirteen hundred or something. Wow. That I think I'm 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 closing in on a thousand. Um, and we, when you say you and Ed, you're talking about your network of students as well, right? No, I'm just talking about the two of us. Oh. So um, we've actually, um, I don't know, I guess, I guess the 2000 is mostly the two of us. Uh-huh. Um, we, um, like the network of the, the other people, they right. all received their printers and materials, I would say. And in the last like two to four days, oh, okay. um, we're, we've been working with all of them to get them online, get them set up, get them, their machines working. Um, and, uh, some of them are already producing and, and handing them out. Um, but we estimate like, I mean, I would guess by the end of next week, um, there's no reason why as a group we're not making close to 2000 a week. Um, wow. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the open source, the open source kind of community as a, as, as a whole, they've been kind of keeping numbers. There's people keeping stats worldwide. And um, last, the last, I think it was two days ago, they posted that 7.2 million of these have been made. Wow. Um, this last month. Um, it's amazing nuts yeah it's like there's so many like people in the open source community around the world that are just stepping into these huge you know gaps in our healthcare systems right uh, worldwide i think it has really exposed the inefficiency of the healthcare system and of the federal government and local government to 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 react with a level of responsibility to what's happening um, because, you know, in the span of time it took Ed and I to buy 44 3d printers and make 2000 of these masks, probably one institution, like one hospital couldn't probably even get through the whole process of like bidding and the whole right. mechanism purchasing things like this and getting them people actually wear who need them you know so like for me it's um i haven't been contacting hospitals i haven't been contacting um you know bigger companies i i've been only handing them directly to the people who are actually going to wear them um, right I, I i don't want them to sit you know i don't want them to sit you know, in some manager's office for a week when like, when like 80 people a day are dying in LA County, you know, right. to be, be used. So I've been really kind of adamant about that or with our volunteers. I've kind of, um, you know, nobody's, nobody's like in charge of this, you know, everybody who's printing masks, um, are, common agreement with everybody is whoever you think needs it you give it to them you know you don't need to ask ed or i for permission um who needs them or not or who you can give them to or not give them to but i've been kind of encouraging everybody to try to hand them directly to the people who are going to use them and there is this real also kind of this grassroots organizing amongst the nurses too um in los angeles 
and they've been a huge conduit to get these two other nurses because mm-hmm. they're not willing to wait anymore for their hospitals to provide them with these face shields or to have it vetted by the hospital if they're sterile or whatever. You know, they literally come in my driveway, pick them up out of a box and tell me, you know, they don't give a fuck about what their boss says they're going to wear them. And right, gonna- right. So, Some of them are driving like 50 miles each way. Like there was two or three times that nurses drove 50 miles each way to my house to get them. And they're wow. taking like 50 or a hundred of them each time. There was one story um, where I couldn't, we couldn't make the exchange happen fast enough. And so I just put a post out and she put a post out on social media. And we found this guy who's, friend was a house painter that was painting a house like 10 minutes from my house and I handed the stuff off to this house painter that didn't even know what it was that he was taking and he took it up handed it off to someone else who then handed it off to the nurse and it's just like you see this grassroots kind of um, network emerging where people are all like they they get it and they're getting involved and it's nuts though that and heartbreaking that it's like you know, to hear and have to argue with people that, oh, no, it's flattening. The curve is flattening. It's like somebody drove to my house last night after, you know, after hearing about me having this, they drove 50 miles and you're telling me that everything's okay. It's like, it's no way it's fucking okay. Right. It's like, it's like the proof is on my front doorstep, just like it's on Devon's. Every single day, there's people coming here to get stuff. <laughs> In the last couple of days, you know, I did a curbside pickup, um, a safe curb, curbside pickup at Best Buy, and a guy with no mask stuck his head into my car, and I, I like, I freaked out. <laughs> and, oh my god! And um, so much so that I, you know, made a complaint and actually had a long conversation with the manager of the store, and offered to print these face shields for his entire staff. Wow! Best Buy and. You would think, oh, wow, yeah, they would say yes, you know, but I could hear the hesitation in his voice and asked him what Nobody the court- wants to accept the reality. It's the like- policy right. on, on wearing face shields. And um, I tried to give them to a manager at Lowe's um, a couple of days ago and they refused them. Um, wow. Employees are clearly scared, you know, so I think like culturally there needs to be a shift on, you know, what's acceptable in these kind of retail settings. Yeah, that, so Lieko's my wife. She's, um, she's an RN, and uh, she's worked in um, nursing homes and also in hospitals. And um, just kind of early on, we were talking about how to keep her safe and um, measures that we would need to take as a family, um, knowing that she could contract it and bring it home. So um, that's where the initial conversations happened with Ed. And um, I was able to get like 10 and 95s through my father who had some for his woodworking and um, our, our friend Elon had a couple. So he gave me some, um, but she's, uh, she's been wearing the face shield and uh, she's distributed them at her hospital and everybody, every nurse who gets them is like so grateful, you know? Um, so 
we're just going to keep going with it. And uh, it's a scary time, but it's uh, the protocols in the hospitals are starting to get better. Finally, that first couple of weeks was incredibly scary. Like they wouldn't even give people a, a surgical mask. They were so scared to run out. Um, which wow. Was, oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, we lost that uh, charge nurse at Hollywood Presbyterian because she was just only wearing a surgical mask um, when she in, in a non-COVID unit. Um, so, yeah, um, I think a lot of good things are happening with us handing them out. Um, but I think, um, I mean, one of the just real quick, one of the things. Uh, a, a union representative actually called me and asked me to use the um, the precedent of us donating them to kind of pressure the hospital to, to purchase more. So. Yeah. That concludes another episode of Visiting's Radio Show. Thanks very much to Ed and Devin for their time and for creating this invaluable service to our region during the COVID-19 pandemic. Past episodes are available on SoundCloud and iTunes. This is Alan Agar from my living room in Koreatown saying thank you for listening to Visiting's Radio Show. Thank <laughs> you.